welcome to Pocket Fiction by Steve Cook. Toshiko, a standalone short story. The morning I was stolen, we were walking across one of the most looked at crossings in London, NW89AY, better known as That Abbey Road Crossing from the Beatles album. Up until then it had been a normal morning, Mike had taken me off my charging stand and fixed me onto his shoulder, as the magnets in the soles of my feet connected with the metal contacts in his jacket. I smiled and started to remind him of his appointments for the day. Right on time, we left the flat and went out into the drizzle. I took my little umbrella off my back and clicked it open. Told you to bring yours, Mike. Hush you, you're not my mother. But he smiled as he said it. Mike wasn't the most careful owner, but he cared about me. He always kept the software up to date, at least, and bought new outfits for me. The skirt I was wearing would be scandalous on any human, but was perfect on me. As we crossed the road at the zebra crossing, I blinked and snapped a picture of the tourists waiting for the traffic to ease. Ten of them, mostly adults, desperate to stand in the road and get their picture taken, while on both sides black taxis honked their annoyance. We crossed. Mike was oblivious, of course. He would have barely felt it as the short, bearded man with the scar across his cheek deftly snatched me off his shoulder, twisting so that I came free of the magnets smoothly. The man stuffed me in his inside jacket pocket and simply walked away. I didn't even have time to cry for help. As the residual charge faded, everything went dark. She looks like one of the latest models, the man's voice said. My auditory senses always boot first, and as the tiny cameras behind my eyes came on, I looked around, feeling slightly sluggish. I was in some sort of workshop, sat on an older model battery that wasn't fully charged. The software they were running didn't match the one in my Persona core, but it was something I could use. I smiled blankly. Good morning. I am Toshiko, a model LA310 personal assistant. What is your name? Did you reinitialize her? The man asked. I looked around. Behind me was the thief, fiddling absently with the frayed cuffs of his creased shirt. What? No. Snagged her, brought her straight here. As the two men argued over my price, I extended my senses and activated the theft prevention suite hidden in my leg. Within seconds, all of Mike's personal information was deleted from long-term storage replaced by motor control protocols transferred from the microscopic hard drive in my hand. Instantly, I had the overwhelming desire to lock myself down, render my circuits and joints useless and completely wipe everything. What any good PA com should do in case of theft. But then I thought of Mike, still in my active memory, and I knew that, no matter what, I had to get back to him. Forcing down the urge, I looked around at my prison. There was a Wi-Fi network, one that felt slightly greasy with a layer of gunk from constant pirating. The password was encrypted, of course, and I began to crack it. Otherwise, beyond the glare of an angle-poised lamp, I couldn't see much of the room at all. The thief left, clutching a handful of notes, and I smiled again at the man who had bought me. Good morning. I am Toshiko, a model LA310 personal assistant. What is your name? He scowled. You're going to keep saying that? 
I require a name for continued service, I lied. Harry. You're a fairly new one, right? Hello, Harry. As I began to deliver my welcome spiel, I started to hit the Wi-Fi with combinations of his name, numbers, letters, anything I could see around me. As your personal assistant, I can organise your calendar for you, remind you of important dates and occasions, search the internet, and interface with other electronic equipment in your home. I am also programmed with a learning algorithm to enable me to quickly fit in with your daily routine. Nothing with just the name was working, and out of spite I started trying things based on him. Fat, stupid, balding. None of those worked either. I needed more information. To start this service, please tell me when your birthday is, or connect me to your workstation. Harry's eyebrows rose. Practical little thing, aren't you? Not very fun for something that looks like a tiny little schoolgirl. I'm also programmed to entertain. I can dance, sing, play any songs in your database. What is your favourite musical artist? He sat back, a curious expression on his face, and I knew I'd got his attention. Play me anything by Metallica. Of course, Harry. I waited for just a moment while I tried a few more passwords then put my head on one side. Requesting access to the Wi-Fi for music download. Can I connect, Harry? He frowned. You've been reinitialized, right? I have no memory of activation before our conversation, Harry. He shrugged and gave me the password. Within seconds, I was on the net, matching the time to my internal sensors. Only about half an hour had passed. I opened my mouth, and Enter Sandman began to spill out of me, filling the dusty room with tinny sound. Meanwhile, I emailed Mike to let him know I was okay. My GPS was off. Not enough life in the battery to power that as well as the rest of me, but it was enough to bring up a map of London and overlay two concentric circles. Everything closer than 20 minutes' walk to the crossing where I'd been taken was in the first circle, while the second circle showed everything within 20 minutes by public transport. I grinned as I remembered something Mike had showed me once and brought up the public webcam that was always focused on the Abbey Road crossing. There, constantly streamed, every crossing made was recorded for posterity, and, right there, I watched as Mike crossed and the short thief grabbed me. I blinked, took a screenshot and sent it to Mike, hoping that he could be bothered to check his own emails this morning. The song ended, and I became aware that Harry wasn't there anymore. I leaned forward. He was in the corner of the room, in a little kitchenette, making coffee. Quickly, I inventoried everything within grabbing distance. Wire, rubber bands, strips of balsa wood, tools far too large to be useful for me. Even the screwdriver was taller than I was. How much do you retail for? Harry said over his shoulder. Checking online. Model LA310 units currently retail at £699. New and used from seven retailers. So, I could probably sell you for at least three or four hundred. Harry said, sitting down. He stirred sugar into his coffee and lay the spoon down on the pitted wooden desk. Or I might just keep you. There's a shoulder harness, right? I nodded. My personality is kept in my body, but all other pertinent data for operating is kept in the micro hard drive and power pack, similar to the one I'm sat on now. You simply keep the power pack in your jacket pocket and connect it to a small magnetic plate on your shoulder. When I am placed on the plate, I am powered and able to perform all my functions. My body contains only the mechanical components necessary for movement. Lying like this was risky. Most of what I was saying was the truth, 
In fact, it was the sort of information available on the websites where you could buy me. But I had to keep my independence a secret a while longer. Clever girl. He picked me up briefly, and almost immediately I felt the life ebb away from me. As he put me back down, I gasped slightly at the renewed charge. You're pretty lightweight. Ninety percent of my internal components are plastic, and replacements can be 3D printed at the Reprographic Centre of your choice, or at home. And of course, if I am damaged, a replacement unit can be ordered, ready to accept my personality core and carry on in my place. A thought struck me. Mike had more money than sense. What if he'd just given me up as a bad job already? It had only been half an hour, a bit more now, but he was the sort of person to do that, to make snap judgments. It'd be just like him to drop a few hundred pounds on a new one, rather than kick up a fuss. Well, I don't need a PA, not even one as cute as you, but I'm sure someone does. I'm going to get the store opened up. Tell you what, put some more music on, eh? Same sort of stuff. Harry got up, pulled up his saggy jeans and scratched at the spot on the end of his nose. Should get some interest in you today. I started to blast out Master of Puppets, and as soon as Harry's back was turned, stood up on the battery. I stepped down onto the desk with one foot, leaving the other one touching the battery, and stretched for the little pile of elastic bands. They were just in reach. I tied three of them together, then swung them around my head and threw them towards the little curls of wire littering the space between the tools. As Harry pulled the shutters up and let in the morning light, I could see that I was at the back of a cheap and cheerful electronics shop. There was a wide range of stuff, most of it seeming like it had fallen off the back of a lorry, but it looked like Harry did a side trade in repairs. I dragged the wires over and quickly stripped them with my teeth. Each piece, no longer than my arm, went behind the battery. Long minutes went by as Harry bustled around the shop, and I began to tie the wire together into one long length. One end of this wire went onto the battery's contacts. The second I held in my hand for a moment, stealing myself for what I had to do. I was incapable of feeling pain, of course, but as I stabbed the wire through the skin-coloured latex sole of my foot, I cringed as I thought about the warranty Mike was paying for, the one that I'd just blithely voided. As the power flowed in through my hacked-together power cord, I jumped off the battery. The wire meant I had to hobble across the worktop, but at least I had a larger degree of movement now. I walked across to where the workbench butted up against the shop counter, its glass-fronted shelves filled with stolen phones and nasty plastic covers. Harry was stood, framed in the doorway, chatting with the postman. Ignoring him, I grabbed some of the smaller pieces of wood. On the way back past, I snagged the spoon off the worktop, still dusted with a few grains of damp sugar. The power pack I was tethered to was large, perhaps the size of one of the big blocks of artisan cheese Mike often had me order, and it had a thick rubber base. I wiped the sugar off the spoon and rubbed it on the wood, creating a sort of sticky paste as it dissolved in the last of the coffee. Then, with some difficulty, I managed to lift the power pack just a little. With my undamaged foot, I kicked one of the pieces of wood underneath the power pack and then shuffled down to the other end. There, I slid the other piece of wood underneath and gave the whole thing an experimental shove. It slid a few inches on the makeshift skis and I allowed myself a nod of satisfaction. I heard footsteps and jumped up onto the battery again, remembering at the last moment to tuck my wired foot under my dress. Turn it up, love, he said, and I obliged. An hour went by, then two, as we sat in frozen tableau. 
Harry seemed able to just turn his mind off, staring blindly out at passers-by, until finally someone came in and broke the spell. Hi, you do repairs? Sure, let's take a look, Harry replied, and went around the counter. In a moment, I was on my feet and pressing my back against the power pack. It began to move towards the edge of the workbench, and I kept pushing until it teetered on the edge before I looked over. Luck was with me. A stack of magazines, scantily clad women with painted-on smiles lay just below me. With one final shove, the battery went over the edge. Almost immediately, the pile of magazines collapsed. The whole thing went over in a slithering wave, one that I rode with all the desperation of an escaping convict. The battery slid onto the floor and I kept pushing, riding the momentum as far as I could. What the hell? I heard Harry say, his footsteps already pounding the bare floorboards towards me. But I kept pushing. For the first time in my short existence, I knew what fear was. I scuttled around the counter, onto the slippier surface of grubby lino tiles, between the customer's feet and towards the open shop doorway and freedom. You little piece of crap, Harry shouted, trying to grab me, but I was too fast. The battery sled bucked as it went over the metal threshold, and then I was out onto the pavement. I yanked hard on one corner of the battery, turning left, and set off. Somewhere out there, Mike was waiting for me. I knew it. <laughs>